0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Chukas 5782. What we're going to talk about is Og Melech It starts with Perch HaVal Lamadal, and I'm going to apologize for my voice already. I nothing i can do about it. Vayom HaShem said to Moshe, don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of Og. Because in your hands I have given him, not only him, but also his people and all of his land. You will do to him like he did to Sihon, the king of Asher So Raj says that Moshe Benin was worried to wage war against Og, more so than against Sihon and his army, because Og might possibly have a schus, a merit of serving Avram Lavino, which he did in his youth when he came to tell him that the four kings had captured Lot. So he thought, like, that counts as something. In Barashas, Paragid Dala says Yud Gimel, it says, that the remnant of the war came. Og, says Rashi, was the last of the refoyim, last of the giants, who were killed by Kidorla Omer, and all of his friends in Asher was Kanaim. He was the last one. He was the pullet. He came to Tel Avner. The Rabbin of Adan, after all, Moshe ben saw he had lived a very long time. He says almost 500 years. The truth is, if he was from the Mabul, we're talking almost 800 years, Right? Because he must have had some slus, some merit that kept him alive up until now. Maybe it was the scarp maybe the fact that he ran to tell Avinu, even if he had ulterior motives, nonetheless the scarpse is enough to be able to get him a He said maybe that's enough, he's gonna be able to defeat me. But Victor Miller points out another source. He was the pullet of the war against the giants. Every other giant died. He's the only one that remained. He must have had some type of special protection. Because why else would he have survived? Right? It should be that way. Either way, it, it, it's a crazy thing that this could possibly be enough. That Moshe was thinking that this could be possibly enough that Og would be able to defeat Bnei Yisrael. But we'll have to get to that. That's something Ravigda Miller says. The Kliakr says, that's why it says, Al-Tira Oso. But it doesn't say, Al-Tira Amo. It's not about Og's people. Og's people was not scary. If Moshevin was really afraid of Og's stature, his huge you know, body and his, his army and his prowess, then it would have said, Amo, don't be afraid of his army, don't be afraid of his people. Al-Tira Oso means that Moshevin was only worried about something that Og had, not just his strength, but something about him that was special about him, and that's what it refers to. Now, the, the king and the Moshevzakini, the, the Panech Raza, and the Chizkuni all point out that Og did not tell Avram Vinu you know, this news in order to help him. He did it assuming that Avram you know, would die in the war against the four kings and he would be able to marry Sarai. So how is that a schus? A skhus to be able to tell Avram Vinu you know, that Sarai would, Sarai would be able to marry him? That's not a skhus whatsoever. So they all answer, nonetheless, since it did help. And in the end, end <clears throat> Lot was saved. Moshe was afraid that that schus was still great enough, that it would still help him, similar to Balak's korbanos. Remember, Bullock brought 42 korbanos. And according to the Midrashim, that helped him, allowing him to be able to have a great-great-great-granddaughter named Rus, who joined Claudius Yisrael. So it could be that anything you do that's for Akash Baruch even if it's for the wrong reasons, Balak wanted to curse Albedeh Yisrael, it still allows there to be a schus, and something good happens from it. The concept of... Mitoshalo Lishma which is questionable whether it applies to a non Jew, but Mitosh Lolishma Reb Moshe in Dorash Moshe asked a little bit stronger. Hashem promised Bin that they would enter Eritral. That was clear, right? How would Og be able to hold that back? Maybe Og had a supposed to be able to win a battle, but how could it hold back Bin'e Yisrael? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He says Mosha you understood. Every mitzvah gets a reward. Since Avram was Mikadish Shem in the war against the four kings. The whole world was talking about Avram being able to defeat the four kings. For that reason, Og deserves something great. Because he made a huge Kiddush Hashem even if his intentions are evil. Intentions are evil. If that happened, right? Let's just say, Og would come to war against Bnei Israel. It would cause a din against Bnei Israel. Bnei Israel would have to go to Din. Look, Og has a schus. Bnei Israel also has a schus. So they have to go to Din, and Hakarish Baruch would have to bring them into Beis Din and have to judge each person whether they're worthy of being in this war or not. Which means there are going to be people who wouldn't have died, who are going to die at war because their Din is brought up before HaKadosh Baruch when oh, they don't like, deserve only for that go to like happen. The right, the yes, usually that's what happens. But if it's a Mohammed's mitzvah, when somebody's attacking, everyone goes to war. But in a Mohammed Mitzvah like this, so everybody should have gone to war in order to make sure it happened. So even though normally by a Mohammed Rishos or by certain types of wars, only the Tzadikim went, the 12,000 by a million, etc., this war would have been a Mohammed Mitzvah. Everybody has to defend Qal Yisrael. So everybody's supposed to go, even the women and children, seemingly. And they would have to go. So that's what would happen. A din would have come up, and some people would have died who wouldn't have died otherwise. That's why Moshe Abinu tried to get around it and say, maybe Og's Skuyos are not good enough. That's how Ramosha puts it. And it's true, 100%. Og's Skuyos weren't brought up at all, which meant that B'nai Saul didn't have to go through din, and they entered our Saul with Midas Ava and not with Midas Din itself. The Kleoka says that Moshe Abinu did not know that Og had other intentions. It's such an obvious answer. Like, all he saw was that Og convinced. Avram to go to war to save Lotz. We know that he did it so that Avram would die and he would be able to marry Sarai. But we don't know that. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know that at the time. So Moshe Rabbeinu thought he had good intentions. So he said like, how am I going to win against a guy who did such a great Kiddush Hashem, not knowing he did it for the wrong reasons. So Tsebel Lederach brings up this Kliakar, but he wonders, Og had no merits at all. The way the Kliakar said it is, he had no skus at all. But he lived for at least 500 years, maybe 800 years. Clearly, there's something, says the The Rabbin says this as well. He must have had some skuyos. Moshe should have been worried about something over here. I told you, see, it says maybe that's why Moshe Vinu was told to hit him in the ankle. Because there's skus. That skus that would have been there, the ankle took care of him. Maybe that's because of scarpsios. He went to tell Avram Vinu, hit him in the ankle to say he doesn't have any skus anymore. He doesn't have any more merits. I'm sorry? Achilles. Achilles. It's possible. Well, it, definitely from the Medrash of Og Melechabashim, where Moshe jumped up 10 Amos. And yeah, hundred percent, I would say from that Qumaran and Dalarim and Brachos. But I'm going to bring this up in a second. Tagirin says it may be something else that he did. Og cursed Avram and Sarah. He compared them to trees planted upon abundant waters that wouldn't give off roots. He said they don't have any children, and they'll never have any children. It could be that that bracha slash curse that he gave them, when they did have children, Og lived to see the great-great-great-great-grandchildren of Avram kill him in war. Maybe that's the idea, said Targum Yonason, that he lived this long to be able to see those great-great-great-grandchildren go through. The Ramban says, the Moshe Abedun was not planning on taking over this land on the east side of the Jordan River. He was never planning on it. This was never supposed to be the land. They were going to go and air it to Saul. Now, Sihon waged war with them. So he had no choice. He defeated him. And therefore, automatically, he took their land. That was automatic. And that's fine. That's going to happen. Og, however, did not belong. To, he didn't go to Bnei Yisrael's camp. Og went to the edge of Edrei. Edreyu was the edge of Og's land. He didn't come out to Moshe Rabbeinu's camp, to Bnei Sol's camp. He sat at the edge of their border. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know. Maybe Bnei Saul should just go around them, like they did by Edom and by Moab and by Amon. They didn't fight them. They went around. So maybe they should do the exact same. thing. Baruch Hu told them not to worry. Fight him. Go to his land and you'll take over his land. You have nothing to worry about. The Nitziv mentions that answer as well. It's a brilliant answer. That's Ramban and the <clears> The <throat> Ramban. Also points out a Medrash Rabbah, which says the Moshe who was afraid maybe someone had taken spoils from the previous war, which they did. Achan, who took spoils later by Uriho, took spoils by the Sihon War as well, and they weren't supposed to. Or they had a certain Avera that wouldn't let them win. He wasn't afraid of Og per se. He's afraid of Klau Yisrael not being able to defeat Og. Right? That's the problem, because of what was going to happen. And he was right. Achan did take from that war, but Hashem said, not to worry, it'll be fine. Those was nine in the wondered about that answer, because he says, wait a second. They fought against Sihon in El. They fought against Og after Sukkot. In between the two was Yom Kippur. They probably were Machaper for whatever they did wrong. And I don't know if Achan gave back the stuff that would be a little bit of an issue, but he probably did tshuva over Yom Kippur. So you could assume that it was there. So he suggests maybe there was an issue Adam being that they weren't able to get over. Maybe that was the issue, and that's what happened over here. So we don't know. In Torah's Moshe, the Chassam Sofer says, the truth is, oh, I mentioned this, that someone did sin in war, it was Achan. He had taken spoils by Sigon as he did later on. The problem was that Og was involved in that war with the four kings. What happened to the war of the four kings at the very end? Avram you know, was told to give back the spoils, not by a Baruch but he told everyone to, I'm only going to take for honor, and right? but he gave back all the spoils. Since they took spoils in a war that they weren't supposed to, that would bring up Avram Vinu, and Og was the guy who went with Avram Vinu and didn't take spoils. Remember, he was the guy who fought with Avram Vinu. so maybe there'd be something different. The Chassam Sofer says it seemed that a Kadosh who purposely brought Sikhon to them instead of them having to fight Sikhon, and then going out there. So it would be easier for them. And even if they didn't have enough merits, they would still win this battle. Og, however... Would require a miracle to defeat because he was huge and powerful, much more so than Sihon, says the Sofer, and he was not sure that Bnei had that many schuyos. It's sort of the opposite what the Ramban said above. Ramban said above maybe they did an avera and they don't deserve to win. This is saying well, in order to do a miracle, you need schuyos. They had enough to be able to defeat Sihon. Did they have enough to be able to defeat Og? And that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you don't have any worries whatsoever. Just like by Sihon, they had nothing, so too by Og, you don't have to worry about anything. And they didn't do anything. What happened to Og at the end? He lifted up that mountain to throw on Klai Yisrael, and the termites came, and the mountain fell down on top of his head. He died on his own. It's not like Ben Esau lifted a finger, Moshe would who lifted up his sword to make him fall. But other than that, he did everything on his own. The Ksham Silver in Nida brings up another reason why Moshe was afraid. Listen to this, it's amazing. Avram was promised ten lands, not just seven, right? But the Caini, Kinesi, and Kadmoni was Adom, Moab, and Ammon that couldn't be given to them then. Caney, Kinesi, and Kadmoni are in the future. We're going to have that land in the future, but we only have the land of the seven at that point, time. Now, nevertheless, Moshe Rebino understood yeah. <clears throat> that if somehow another nation ta- takes over those lands, of the Caney Kinesi, and Kadmoni, then they could take that land, Granted, it wasn't theirs until the future, but if someone else took it, like Sihon, and they defeated Sihon, they would be able to take that land, and that was perfectly fine. But Og was different. Avram was promised the Ten Lands from his greatness of fighting in the War of the Four Kings in order to get Lot. Who told him about that? That was Og. The only reason why he had the rights to the Ten Lands was because of what Og did. So maybe he's not allowed to take Og's land because Og was the one who was malamed, taught Avram, told Avram what to do in order for Avram you know, to get the ten lands and to be able to go through. But the truth is, since his intentions were bad, obviously not to marry Sarim, they were given permission to fight Og and take his land forever and ever. That's the idea behind it. What an unbelievable sum so for now. The Be'erba started bring, brings up a seventh reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid. If you've been paying attention up until now, I've given six reasons so far, but this is a seventh. Pointing out that Rashi's words are shall Avram, not Apparently, it's not that Og told Avram Avinu about it. It's Avram. He says Og may have been a bow bris of Avram Avinu. It could be that he actually got a bris milah, together with Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. And he actually had a bris from Avram Maybe that schus was good enough to be able to win the war against Ben Yisrael. Because he got a schus of a bris when he was older. And because of Avram which Bnei did not have. They might not have gone in with the same intentions that Og did to his bris It's brought by the Shach, Yalqu number 132, the Me'am and the Zohar. They all bring this. That the schus of Og was that he had a bris from Avram Avinu himself, which is why the word Oso oh, is written with both vovs, not the first one, right? I think it's the second. Kibiyot Chonassati Oso, right? But that's for this reason, right? Because he had the bris itself. Nonetheless, it didn't last and says the Be'er Basada, he was pogame vebriso. Perhaps that means that he was together with people that he shouldn't have been with. There's a Rabb coin that says that Og Melech was so great, he was never over in Shekla Zerah That's Og's greatness, right? And that's what he talks about, why he lived so long, because he was never over in Shekla Zerah That's an unbelievable greatness over here. But the Be'er Basada says he wasn't the Bris. Perhaps that means with women, he was together with women that he shouldn't have been together with, but he was never over in Shekla Zerah the base Yeshaya says in added that Og had his bris mila when he was older as opposed to, I mean, it's the exact same taina that Yishmael had over Yitzchak, Vino. remember, Yishmael told Yitzchak, I'm greater than you, because I had a bris mila when I was older, and Yitzchak Vino, said, well, I'll, I'm willing to give up my whole life for Rakhadosh Barakul, and that's when the whole din of the akeda happened. So the truth is, that applies for Bnei Sol as well. Bnei Sol were all willing to be most Neffish for Klai Sol, but the truth is, I'm not even so sure that's entirely true. Bnei Sol did get a bris mila when they were older. When they left Mitzrayim, they were older. And many, they didn't give a bris mila in the midbar. They only got a brisk meal later. Maybe it means that they didn't have a bris mila at the time because many of the people were born in the midbar, so they didn't get a bris mila in the midbar. So they didn't have the bris while Og did. Maybe that's what it means over there. I'm not so sure. It's not what the Beis says, but I, I think that makes more sense. Either way, <clears throat> now we can understand that it's that I brought up above in a totally different way. If you remember, Toldi said that he got up and he hit him in the ankle. Because of the scarpsios, right? That he was able to walk to tell Avraminu, so therefore he got rewarded. Perhaps we could go in a different fashion. Moshe Revenu was trying to hit the bris mila, the bris mila, because that was the schus, right, that allowed him to live this long. And it says, kibi yod sati <laughs> osso, osso, his os bris mila. Remember, os is a word that's used for the bris mila itself. So maybe the pshadeh is that he had to cut off the bris and that og would then die. This schost of og of that bris milah would no longer exist for him. The Gemara Nadarim Chafam Aleph, says you can't even look at the ankle of a woman because they'll remind you of the areas, etc. Right? It's possible that the ankle is a word that's used to describe the erva. And if that's true, meaning through euphemistically, right, in a better way, it's possible that when it says Moshe Rabinu hit him in the ankle, it didn't mamash mean in the ankle. It meant he hit him in the bris mila, which was his chos. I even found a Miam that says in one opinion that Og was 36 amos to the waist. 36 amos to the waist. That means 30 amos. If you remember Moshe Rabinu jumped up, he was 10 amos and the spear was 10 amos and he jumped up. 30 amos would have been the erva. If the waist was 36 amos, the erva is perfectly there. So maybe that's what he hit when he jumped up. I thought maybe that combination, maybe that would be ideal. Rabbi Noah Frank says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe, the angel of Og, tied up and placed beneath him, which shows that he would conquer Og without any problem whatsoever. And that's what he meant Al so don't be afraid of him. Look, I gave you the Malach already. The Shach says HaKadosh Baruch Hu had already declared on Rosh Hashanah, because remember this is after Yom Kippur, it's after Sukkot, that Og would fall into his hands, right? So that makes sense. That's why the word nasati Oso, I already gave him, meaning it's past tense, because it's something that already happened, so to speak. To me, I'm always quoting the Shach. says that Kaddish Baruch who told Moshe that Ogs Din had been declared years earlier. Years earlier. When Avramino made a meal, for he gomel es yitzchok, the bris mila the pinnaben, or when he weaned him, etc., 32 kings and 32 princes came to be able to be at that party itself, aside from many other important people that were all supposed to be there. Og came himself to see the miracle with his own eyes because he had always assumed, this is unbelievable Medrash, that he would inherit Avram Avinu's money, even though Yishmael was around. But Yishmael was the son of a hugger, of a slave, a maidservant. He was the strongest man around Oak. Therefore he assumed he could strong arm his way to Avram Avinu's wealth. At the party, the other kings and the princes began to make fun of Og because they knew his plan. They knew that he thought that he was going to inherit from You And they made fun of him. They said, you just lost a fortune, Og, because he has a child. You just lost a fortune. Og told them he was still planning on taking Abraham's money. He said, this child, there's no way he's going to be strong. He was born to an 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman. There's no way a child from an 100-year-old and 90-year-old could actually live. There's no way he'll survive. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said at that moment, I promise He'll survive. And you're gonna die by the hands of his great, 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 great grandchildren. And that was obviously Yitzhak you Vino, and that's the idea behind it. Shach says there's another reason why Og was sentenced to death into the hands of an Aesol. When Yaakovina stood in front of Paro and blessed him, Og was sitting in the throne room. Paro turned to Og and said, I thought you said that Avamina was a mule and couldn't have any children, but yet here this guy claims to be his grandson. Og put an iron hara on the B'nai Yaakov because of that. Hashem decreed that he would fall into their hands in the future itself. Yaakov Ravini, number 134, said the decree may have happened in the days of Yitzchak but I don't know a message about that. Avram we see, Yaakov we see, from the days of Yitzchak I don't know what that means, unless it means Yitzchak is a baby, but then I don't know what it means in the hands of Avram Vinu. I'm not sure. That's the Yaakov Now the Datskani wonders, he says, Rashi says the Pala means he's the only one that survived the war. She says, "Wait a minute, Wait a second. It could be that Og was the pilot. He was the one that escaped the Mabul, not the war, but he escaped the Mabul, and that's the famous one." Rashi himself brings that in Parshas Noah, based on the Gemara Nida Samachal of Aleph, that Og survived the Mabul. But not only that, says the Gemara. The Gemara says that Og's brother was Sichon, right? They were both sons of Achia, um, the son of Shamchazai. Shemchazai being one of the fallen angels, one of the big giants with Azoil, who came down to earth, etc. But he was actually the son of Shemchazai. If Og survived the Mabal and he was a brother of Sihon, then how did Sihon survive the Mabal? Do we have anything that says that Sihon survived the Mabal? We all know that Og was on the side of the table with the Re'em on the other side, according to Tosis and Zvachim, that we've heard of. But what in the world? And it even hints to Og. By Yisho'er, Ach Noah. Only Noach remained. Ach, Noach is the gematria of Og of 79. So we see that that happened. We don't find any hint about Sichon. So how do we know that Sikon survived? What does that mean? So I found nine answers to this question. Number one, Rabbi Bar Yosef, quoted by the Das and Merchayim, the answer that Og was born before the Mabal. He survived by hanging on to the side of the Teva. Og's mother was pregnant with Sichon from one of the Bnei Elohim, that's one of the giants, and then married one of Noach's sons. And therefore, made it onto the table and gave birth to Sihon there. So we see that Og and Sihon were brothers from the same mother, and his mother was married to one of the sons of Noah. That's number that one. On I'm sorry. Yes, he was a giant, just not as big as Og. I, mean born on, on the... I guess giants are born small and that they grow really, really big. I don't know if they're born as giraffes. You know, like maybe yeah. I don't know. The of Bichaya says he saw in a medrash that Og and Sihon were both sons of Shamchazai not his son, not Achia. And he was together with Ham's wife before she went to the table. And Sihon was born on the table That's why Ham was together with his wife. Remember, there were three that were together with their spouse on the table: the raven, Teva, the raven, the dog, and Ham. Maybe this is why, because he's trying to cover up the fact that she was pregnant. But that means that Sihon no book lived a very, very long time. Moshe Zakenim says Noach's wife was this Nama. I don't know. Passed away before the Mabel. Noach married the mother of Og, who had given birth to Og before her first husband had died. She was pregnant again with Sichon before the Mabel happened, and went on to the tape of pregnant. So apparently, the mother of Og and the mother of Sichon was married to Noach, not one of Noach's kids, and not Chum. Right, and she gave birth sometime that year on the teva itself. Again, that's just a totally different mattress. That's Moshev Zakanim. number four. Noach's wife might have been t- maanis by Og's father before the Mabel. That's a horrible story, but that Noach's wife Nama was forcibly taken by Og's father, and she was therefore not chayiv misa for what happened. But she was impregnated with Sichon. Right, but he doesn't like these answers. Moshe the Gan doesn't like that because the Gemara Nida seems to say that Sihon was older than Og. In all of these answers, Og is older than Sihon. Right, in each one of them. Number five, Panam Yafu says something shocking. If this wasn't shocking and shocking enough, maybe Ahia, Og and Sihon's father, also survived the Mabul, but had died before the war of the four and five kings. Og was the last one to be surviving the from the Mabul since his father had just died. Sichon never went to the Mabal. Sichon never went to the Mabal. But Achia somehow survived the Mabal. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know how, but somehow he survived the Mabal. And before he died, he sired Sihon with another woman, right? And that's that. But I, again, I have no clue where the Panam gets get stuff from. I have no clue where Achia would have been. The Moshe of Zekinim in Parsha's Noach says that it could be that Sihon both survived by standing in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, the marble didn't happen. The water just seeped in from all the other lands. Since it flowed in from the other lands, the two giants, Sihon and Og, were able to stand there, and the waters came up to their ankles, and they weren't able to, they didn't drown. Rashi Anita Samachal HaVai, says this as well, quoting the 11th Barak of Sanadrin, he quotes Chelek, but we don't have it in our Gamal and Chelek. Number uh, seven is the rush in Noach, in Parsh's Noach. He says that Og was older than Sihon, saved his mother by holding her as the Mabul raged on. I don't know if this means while he's holding on to the Teva, or if this means he was standing in Eretz but he held on to his mother. She was either pregnant with Sihon at the time, or he was together with her, with his own mother, and therefore was the father and brother of Sihon. These crazy answers, Mabul, one after the other. Number eight, the Rabbin of points, well, points out, it might not be the same oak. He was from the same family and likely a great-grandchild of some sort, but he wasn't the same Og. Sihon and Og were not brothers from the same father. Or that, or that schos of the original Og would have been shared by Sihon, but they shared a mother of some sort. So again, so this was an Og, a great-great-grandchild of the original Og. Right? And this Og and Sihon were brothers from the mother, not of the father. So Og had the schus of his great-great-great-great-grandfather Og. Sihon did not. That's the idea behind it. That's a great shot. Another way of understanding it, number nine, is that Og and Sihon were brothers in Tuma, but they weren't actually brothers. The Ruvani, number 135 and 136, calls them the right and the left side of Tuma, opposite Moshe and Aaron in Kedusha. One was connected to Esau, one was connected to Ishmal. He says the connection between Og and Shimon ben Isanel, the student of Rabbi and B'Zakai, is because the Rashi is of Shimon ben Nisanel is Boshon. That's connected. In the Sva and in Likutim says one stands for Maisa, Sihon is the uh, Machshava. Sihon was the Melech of Cheshbon, as in Machshava, And Og was for Maisa. That's why we have tefillin on our heads for Machshava and on our arms for Maisa to combat Sihon and Og. Sihon and Og. It's crazy. We have a lot more to that, but that's not for now. Oh, it certainly sounds like Og's name was Og, and he was a polit because he escaped either the mob or the war, as Rashi said above. But Tozo Zenida, Samachal of Aleph says from a Medrash that he's only called Og because he found Avram baking Ugos, cakes, for Pesach, when he told him about the War of the Four Kings. Elsewhere, the Medrash brings that he was Og because he loved Sari Menu's cakes that she baked in the house of the Ugios. That makes it sound like his real name was Pulit, and he was only called Oog because of this situation. The party quotes a mudra quote that says just that, that Og's real name was Pulit, not Og. But speaking of names, the Rokiah and the Rabin Rabbin of go on about the strength of Og and the power of Og and everything like that. But I'm gonna end with this. The Shach adds that Og was given to Avramidu by Nimrod to be his slave. And his real name is Eliezer, Ebed Avram. There's only one time in the Torah Eliezer Ebed Avram is named. He's called domestic Eliezer. And Avram says, he's going to inherit me. Which really makes sense with the Medrash that we set up above, where Og thought he was going to inherit Avram Vinu. Because even Avram Vinu thought he's going to have Domestic Eliezer as his, as his guy. Because Eliezer was Og. This is brought by the Yalka Ruveni in number 133 in this week's parsha, the Yalka Shimoni and Chayisar Asim and Kuftes, Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, Perak Tazayin, and Mesech Sopram, Chofalav Taz, and many other places, many other Midrashim. He was the one who brought Rivka the Yitzchak Avinu. He's the one that had Kfitz Uzzaderech, Eliezer. And that's why the above says he was able to walk 40 mil in one day. Sounds like he's a massive giant, but it meant because he was quick on his feet because he had Kfitz Uzzaderech that one time. He was the one who fought the four kings with Avraminu. Eliezer is 318 in Gematria. It was really Og Melech Abashan, right? He brought 318 slaves with him. He's the one that had the schus of the mila. because Eliezer of Avram, he had the mila. He did the schus of walking to go get Rivka. He was afraid of Avraminu. His teeth fell out of to corner and, and Perakal days when Avraminu would yell at him. But he was not afraid of Yitzchak or anyone else. What happened to him? Mistama after having a Rebbe like Avraminu, he couldn't handle Yitzchak. Yitzchak was made as day, and was made as Chesed. And he couldn't handle him. And he left and he started his own religion thinking that he was right. And Eleazar of went in the other direction. Many Midrashim can now be understood. There's a Midrash that says when he first saw Rivka, when Lovin first saw him, he was carrying two camels at a time jumping over the river. It makes sense now. He was huge. Og would have been huge. It makes sense why Lot didn't try to kill Eliezer, but he tried to kill other people that came by. It could be that the only way they could get to him was through poison because Eliezer was oak. He was this huge, massive guy. We don't know anything for sure, but that's another reason why all this could work out, that he had a tremendous chus because he was alive this whole time and he was Eliezer at Ram, the dole umashka mitores rabba, learning from Abraham Avinu. Perhaps that was the ultimate chus of oak, Melech Abashim. We'll stop at this, for everybody. Have a great Shabbos.